0: Welcome to Behind the Bookshelves. My name is Richard Davis and this Abe Books podcast is dedicated to telling the stories behind books and the people who love them. Today we have a special guest. Joining me is Lisa Grimm from Seattle. Lisa collects books about ghost lore, general folklore and weird fiction and today we're going to hear about her collection and how it's been assembled and some of her literary bookish adventures that she's had along the way. Welcome, Lisa.
1: Hello, it's nice to be here.
0: Thank you for for joining us. All right, so Halloween is coming. Let's start with Ghost Lore, which I believe are books about the culture of ghosts and hauntings. So what's your interest there?
1: It goes back to really early childhood. I, I started reading a lot of these sort of uh, true in air quotes ghost stories, uh, really starting from the age of five or six. But as I got more and more into it, it was it was less about uh, believing what was happening than more about how these stories had patterns that repeated over and over, and how they sort of. Uh, sort of uh, really reflected the local community wherever they were and so uh, wherever I've lived in the world and I've, I've lived quite a few places I've always tried to go out and buy those sort of local it happened to me if you like uh, ghost stories the ones that really talk about kind of the local history they don't always realize that that's what they're doing when they're uh, when they're telling those stories but they really give you a great sense of place and so I, I think a lot of it gets into that sort of um, al- almost a more modern kind of psychogeography if you like but uh, which is a little bit of a fancy way of saying it but what I really enjoy is that sort of um, both kind of the repetitive nature that also what's when we think about the literary side what M.R. James called that pleasing terror when you're reading these things but also just seeing how there's these interesting patterns how people interpret these things differently but how there are so many similarities at the same time and what they really tell us about the culture that sort of came up with these stories and that local slant they put on them so you know again started reading them as a child started collecting them probably as as a young adult and have been uh, have been at it ever since.
0: And do you find you like stories from a particular region in particular?
1: Oh, that's a really good question. I I would say I definitely have more from my time living um, both on the U.S. East Coast and when I lived in the United Kingdom in in various different places, although I think a lot of that is also just, I happened to live by Better Bookstores at that time, so that was uh, one part of it as well. So I I think some of it is just living close to where those things uh, happened again, in in air quotes, if you like, and um, less to do with kind of um, that specific area, but I I do have a sort of fondness for anything that uh, can kind of give a, a medieval pedigree, if you like, and we don't get as many of those in in the u.s but even some of the ones that you get in kind of uh philadelphia new york area have at least a, kind, of, kind of a couple hundred years on them in, in a lot of cases so i think i like ones that have uh, a, a little bit of a patina of, of age there they, they don't always have that but uh, that's certainly something i try to seek out
0: and is there a favorite haunting a favorite folklore ghost folklore book
1: Oh my goodness, I, I always go for the ones um, when it comes to that when it comes to that aspect. I go for um, really collected uh, r- ones that are big collections if you like, like Jacqueline Simpson and uh, Jennifer Westwood have this very large collection of uh, mostly British hauntings called "The Lore of the Land and there's, there's actually a smaller version of just called Ghosts, where they take out the ghost stories and they leave out some of the other things about Highwaymen or, or whatever the other stories were, and they really just focus on those. So I always go back to that because it's it's very episodic. You can just read a couple bits of it here and there, and it really uh, it's one of those great things where if you if you just need something to read for five or ten minutes, it's there. there there's sort of, again, something very soothing in the patterns, I think, but I, I do enjoy those, too, because they have a very academic bent, but they, they also don't judge the stories, if you like. They're very accepting of what those stories are and just sort of present them for you you uh, almost kind of as as taken down
0: and your your second collecting subject is is even bigger than ghosts which <laughs> seems pretty big and that's folklore in general so yeah p- perhaps you can yeah how, how, how broad is your collection there
1: That's a really good question. I I do go into a lot of traditional song. And again, it tends to be British and and, uh, sort of early American uh, child ballads, things like that. But I do try to uh, span a pretty broad collection um, I try to get some things that are, that are sort of more European in context, really look at uh, kind of German and bohemian folk tales, things like that, typically in translation, because my, my German is pretty terrible. But at the same time, as, as a Grimm, there is a sort of nominative determinism at play here. I do like to seek out Grimm's fairy tales and and again, look at kind of th- those patterns of stories, what's different, what's the same. Um, and and I, with those two, I seek out both uh, sort, sort of, you know, 19th century earlier if I can collections, but I also like to look for a really pretty modern edition, something that has really interesting artwork or something that just has sort of a different uh, a different slant on it, whether it's a new translation or something that really lets you look at that broad spectrum of sort of fairy tales, folk song, uh, folk life. I, I've also gotten a little bit into things about sort of um, foodways, if you like, to, So looking at um, really even just sort of cookery books and what those are like, what how they reflect, again, kind of the everyday experience, not necessarily the sort of rich people living up here and the poor people living down here, but kind of everyone in the middle and the way these little bits and pieces of stories reflect to, you know, sort of reflect everyday life. I think that's what I really go for. But I also like it if it's in a beautiful edition or uh, in a particularly exciting edition.
0: And is there a particular fairy tale or folk tale, you mentioned the Grimm's, um, that you're drawn to?
1: I don't know if I have any one in particular, but I, I will say just from a from a sort of, again, pattern perspective, I always go for the sort of depressing ones, like kind of the Babes in the Woods and, and its other analogues. You th- I also relate it to stories like The Green Children of Woolpit, how you have sort of these abandoned children in the woods. And it's always a little bit sad and, and sort of tragic, but it's, it's interesting how these stories... Sort of repeat themselves in different places, and, and again, kind of how the local culture sort of has its own slant on these stories, and what's what's different, what's the same, and and again, just kind of gives you that sense of what's uh, kind of what's important to that that particular telling of it.
0: It's amazing how many times woods and forests crop up in fairy tales. Absolutely,
1: they're always very spooky, and uh, you know, whenever we always get that sense of unease. I think if we're not used to being out there, which you know mo- most of us these days are not, so it's always a little bit of you know un- a little bit of the unknown out there.
0: So how did your your book collecting habit begin? Was it a particular book? Was it a moment in your childhood a memory when did it all start?
1: There are two there are two things in particular that I could pinpoint. One is there was a book in my elementary school library again going back to the age of 5 or 6 and it was called Ghosts 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 and it was again one of these collections of sort of true uh stories which um e- even in this where were, you know sort of for young children had been very distilled into the essence of kind of what was the spooky thing about this story and then i remember reading that book i would check it out again and again and then finding another book that had some very similar although not completely uh the same set of stories and thinking oh other people have heard these things and then uh, sort of it, it going from there again starting out just going to the library a lot and checking out a lot of very similar books but then there was um and I think this is something that has happened to a lot of people. There was a particular used bookstore where I grew up in, in St. Louis, in the middle of the U.S., um, and it was one of these sort of very uh, traditional, if you like, or, or maybe sort of archetypical uh, archetypical used bookstores where uh, no, not, there was no particular organization to it. Uh, it's kind of everything you would hear as a stereotype. Everything was slightly damp and smelly, but you could come across these, these things, and they happened to have a very strong collection of that kind of book, very, very cheap. So I would go and, you know, save up my my pennies and go and buy more of these little collected editions. And uh, over time started realizing, oh, there are slightly better editions of these things. There are things that, um, uh, you know, you don't necessarily have to buy the damp copy if you can find a a nicer one. But it it started off really just with looking for books with this particular slant and then realizing there was a, a much broader world out there. And that's sort of how I also got into more of the the, the fiction actually published as fiction versus this sort of um, these sort of folk tales which are, are not always published as fiction but it, it's sort of um, one fed into the other I think
0: right I think uh, the smell of a bookshop is quite <laughs> important as you walk through yes. the door it you can judge a lot by that smell absolutely right so your your third area of collection is weird fiction now perhaps you can um, describe for us what your definition is of weird fiction it's quite a wide sure
1: Absolutely, and everyone seems to have a slightly different take on it. But I, I tend to focus on the, the sort of classic weird fiction, where it's the sort of late 19th, early 20th century. You have your authors like M. R. James, E. F. Benson. You can go even a little earlier for uh, Le Fanu. Um I also think of like Algernon Blackwood. But I also try to uh, look for those those stories by women too that sometimes get neglected. Your sort of Mrs. Oliphant and your Mrs. Henry Woods. And those are a little harder to find because they tend to appear in um, you know in serial form. So they're not necessarily in a, in a standalone volume somewhere, but it's those stories that tend to be ghost stories or um, other sort of paranormal fiction, if you like. Um, there's that you know sort of blending into horror and science fiction to an extent. I'm not as much of a an H.P. Lovecraft fan, which I know there are plenty of people out there who collect really some beautiful editions of, of Lovecraft, but it's uh, they're all sort of in that same. Cool though, if you like. So I, I tend to go for the the earlier end of that, although it also, um, then you can sort of fast forward to the modern day where I also collect uh, sort of modern folk horror too, where again it sort of blends that folklore and that sort of speculative fiction, and they uh, they kind of come together in a little ball.
0: So you, if I look at um, if I think of ghost lore and then I think of like the, the European folklore with all those nasty woods, and then I think of weird <laughs> fiction, there's plenty of supernatural in there.
1: So Absolutely. you get night-
0: don't you get nightmares?
1: <laughs> uh, that's a really good question. I, I think part of it being uh, just a sort of uh, staunch non-believer in anything, I think, is one part of it. But but still, there are times when you're like, oh, what was that shadow? What was that sound? And having lived in a lot of older houses, I think you get used to your your house making strange sounds, especially when you have cats as well. There's uh, there's a lot of ways you can sort of write that off. So I, I think uh, on the one hand, um, having a sort of very logical brain, although I, again, when it comes to those ghost stories, that those sort of it happened to me. I think people believe they saw what they saw but you know uh, they're just sort of interpreting it through this lens but uh, at the same time I'm I'm very sort of uh, blithe and happy to be like eh, it's the house settling but I, I do I actually really love reading those things before bed they kind of you know help me sleep so it's uh, maybe okay. a little unusual but uh, but that's what I love about it
0: so you mentioned some authors who were I would say from the late Victorian uh early Edwardian era I guess British yeah
1: for the most part
0: and what what what's what fascinates you about that era of writing?
1: I think there's a couple things. I think society was changing very quickly in a way that that isn't necessarily reflected immediately in a lot of those authors. There's this sort of... Um, Especially when I think about someone like M.R. James, where they have this sort of academic bent, and uh, you know, M.R. James sort of as the the sort of father of the modern ghost story, I think is is always the one I go to. But I think there's that sense of the world changing, but he's kind of not quite ready for it. And you see it in these sort of um, these sort of strange elements that he hasn't quite gotten uh, kind of hasn't quite gotten his head around. I think in in certain ways, and it's uh, I think that's one of the things I really like is kind of what are the what are the ghosts or the the sort of supernatural baddies which are always left a little bit. Uh, kind of unclear as to what they are. Is it just something in someone's head? They're, and they're not quite getting to that kind of psychological explanation, but it's kind of there in the background. And I like that there's that sort of switch from that kind of um, a sort of earlier, like, ah, we, it's a ghost, it must be that too. This almost again, psychological, well, we don't quite know what's happening here, but we're not gonna come right out and say it. So I, I think it's that blend of having that sort of folkloric piece, even if it's not always uh, right up there. Uh, but also having that kind of, again, that sort of cozy academic piece, if you like, because I, I think the other thing that's nice about that is having, you know, having gone and gotten far too many degrees myself, it's always like, oh, I would love to just sort of sit back and, uh, you know, sort of in the common room with with a whiskey and, and read some of these things in front of the fire, which is not something you really get to do much in uh, in everyday life. But I think also seeing the, the lives that some of these authors led is, uh, is part of the attraction as well.
0: Okay. And if you look at your collection, is there... One particular book that you think might have financial value.
1: There are a couple, and it's funny; it's not necessarily the ones in uh, kind of in my my prime collecting group, but uh, we do have. Um, some uh, writer Haggard first editions, so they're a little more y than weird fiction but um, especially getting some of those ones that aren't quite as popular as, as some of the like King Solomon's Mines or She but I have uh, She and Alan which was not quite as popular a book uh, unfortunately it's missing its dust jacket so it's not going to be super super valuable but I, I did uh, did have a look at that one I think it's probably a couple hundred dollars here and there uh, the other thing I have that might potentially be, again, probably something in that couple hundred dollar range at most is uh, Michael Jackson's Ultimate Beer Guide. And I mentioned that one just because he autographed it for me at a beer festival, gosh, about 15 years ago now. Um, and so I, I do have some of those books as well, which are largely out of print. But uh, that particular one, again, happens to happen to you know, happens to be inscribed to me, and so that one is potentially worth a little bit something as well. But but I would say the vast majority of what I have tends to not be particularly valuable on, on kind of on its own. But there are a couple of things, and we'll probably get to this later, that I'm kind of seeking out or always kind of keeping an eye out for that I would love to sort of slot into pride of place in the collection.
0: Okay. Well, yeah, we'll come back come to that in a minute. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> What has been your most exciting find so, for, so far?
1: Uh, there, there are a couple. I have found a, uh, a couple of nice uh, Lefanu, Fanu, um, sort of not quite first editions, but maybe first American printings here and there. So I like to, again, kind of... Um, and it's for some of the ones that are, are a little bit less obvious. Although the, the one I had really most recently is I found a copy of Haunted East Anglia by Joan Foreman, which is kind of, again, one of these sort of uh, ghost hunters... Uh, sort of favorite books, and it's not particularly valuable, didn't cost me much, I just happened to find it in one of these kind of disorganized disorganized bookshops in the middle of Seattle, sort of, you know, thousands of miles from where I came from, shouldn't have been there at all, but just finding it there, and uh, when I'd actually been kind of looking for it for a couple of years, was, uh, was very exciting, so that's one of those where it's just kind of the, the joy of discovery where it's not necessarily something particularly valuable, but it was just something I'd been keeping an eye out for. And, you know, a little paperback book, but it's uh, it's a joy to read. And so I was very excited to find that one recently.
0: So you mentioned disorganized bookshops. Is <laughs> is, that where you, is that where you go to find your books?
1: You know, it's funny. I, t- I tend not to, although, uh, it, you know, sometimes that that's where you end up finding these, uh, these things that you don't expect. I, I think a lot of times the ones that... Uh, that I think of as kind of my favorite bookstores are actually quite well organized and very much uh, kind of in a theme. Like I always think about, um, like when, whenever I go to London, I go to Treadwell's or I go to the Atlantis Bookshop, which are very much the, this sort of esoterica, you know, sort of occult. They, they know what they what they have and it's very sort of specific um, so you don't always necessarily find what you're looking for or you, they have it and it's far too expensive but I do find in some of these sort of more uh, sort of almost ca- more chaotic places you can find unexpectedly things you uh, you've been looking for for a while you would never expect to find there but uh, I will say um, you know I, I do like a well organized bookshop but uh, it's, sometimes it's those uh, that are not so well organized that have those moments of serendipity
0: yeah I think they both have uh have benefits for absolutely when you you know what you need or when you just want to have a find something surprising absolutely yeah um so as you mentioned what's the is there a book or books that you are you're really trying to hunt down but you you haven't discovered yet
1: yeah, I, I, I am always keeping an eye out for a reasonably affordable, but also in good shape, uh, copy of M.R. James' Ghost Stories of an Antiquary. He's um, got the first two volumes. There, there are a lot of them out there, so it's not that it's particularly rare, but finding one that is in really good shape is either a first printing, either a first US or a first UK printing uh, would be wonderful to find. But I need to find one that I can afford. So still still working on that. There, there's also an MR James biography, which is largely out of print that I, I've been looking for as well. So it's it's not always necessarily about M.R. James, but those are the ones that I, I've always kind of uh, got the antennae up for and keeping an eye out for.
0: Right, I see. Um, so what are your uh, favorite literary places to haunt if that's the right word um, is there some literary place on your on your bucket list that you wish to visit
1: yeah that, that's a great question I, and I will I will say I certainly judge cities by the quality of their independent bookstore or, or lack thereof so uh, for example I love going to Portland because there's Powells um, here in Seattle, we have Elliott Bay, which is nice, although I tend to I tend to like a, a sort of more, you know, very comprehensive place like Powell's or, um, or or certainly whenever I'm back in London, I love to go to foils, um, even though they've now been bought by Waterston. So curious to see how that all shakes out. But I, I do like those places that have that real local appeal or, or when I lived in New York, I would go to the Strand, which, again, it's it's one of those things where it's not always easy to find things but there's just so much there right. but um, that said I would love to get to hay on wine and go to you know really go to the festival there see all you know people coming to speak about their books um, get that modern uh, you know that modern take on things as well I, I'm certainly a sucker for a good book town so I have uh, this lovely hardcover table you know sort of a coffee table book of book towns and I'm trying to sort of check them off one by one but uh, so far uh haven't made much progress but hay on why is kind of on on my bucket list even though I used to live been rural Wales not terribly far away I never got there so that's one of those sort of uh, need to uh, really need to uh, remedy that at some point
0: okay so I'm thinking that heaven for you must be a used bookshop that has its own ghost
1: oh that would be amazing I would love that yes I would I would probably the ghost would probably be very very sad that I didn't believe in it but I, I would try my best so
0: I- I've heard of a few I've, h- I've had booksellers <laughs> tell me that they have a ghost it might just be a marketing ploy but they say books get refiled, books get knocked down, or um, there are movements behind when, you know, books can't move, but oh, I, I've yeah, heard a few Oh, I'd stories. love to come
1: and watch. Absolutely. I, I would be all for uh, trying to uh, disconfirm my, my disbelief.
0: Of course, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, people listening can probably guess you are very much a bibliophile. Yes. So you, you're, you're a trained, actually, a trained librarian. Uh, Yes. Although that isn't your trade. um, All those librarian skills, have they influenced how you collect books?
1: Oh, they absolutely have, and and that's again one of those things uh, of kind of knowing enough to be dangerous. Uh, where because I, I did focus specifically on rare books and special collections during my library degree, I got to take some amazing courses in, in just how you evaluate rare books and in how you, um, kind of how they're valued, uh, what you know different things like that. And so I, I am very good at reading through descriptions, uh, which is actually amazingly helpful when you're trying to buy things online and trying to figure out well how, what, what kind of shape is this one really? And like yes, you can see the pictures. But are there things that aren't evident, you can sort of make out some of the code from uh, from having that particular mindset. There, there are also incredibly useful things. Or if I do get something knowing that it's in bad shape, I can uh, I can do a pretty good job of trying to take care of it and try to make it a little bit better. I'm certainly not a conservator, but I have the the basic skills you do learn when um, becoming a rare book librarian of just how to make sure you've got something well housed and how to make sure it's uh, it, it's not getting any worse at least uh, it, it, um, regardless of kind of how it how it comes into you at first. But uh, I think the other the other kind of edge it gives me as, as a collector is i'm still on all of those listservs so i see every tuesday when everyone all the rare book dealers put out their new uh their new catalogs i uh, i sort of take a look at everything and see what's out there and it does mean to you that since i i keep track of all of those i can see um kind of what the trends are in terms of what things are costing um hopefully that means we're not paying too much for something if i if i do find something out uh out in the wild i've got a good sense of what it should cost but uh, the, i think the other thing that is incredibly helpful is if i get something that is in really bad shape i know a couple of conservators i can call who will uh maybe take a look at something for me and try to make it a little bit better so i can at least read it if it's uh if it's not in great shape
0: okay do you ever find yourself recommending books to other people
1: Oh, all the time. I just hope they have my my sort of equally esoteric interests or at least very broad, uh, very broad interests. But uh, I I think that's the nice thing of having a a, a very literary household. Uh, You know, my husband was an English major and so he actually in his spare time for fun edits uh, Jacobean and earlier plays into critical editions, again, for fun. So we're, uh, you know, we're we're that kind of household that we have a lot of writers in the family. Uh, I occasionally write uh, very very specific non-fiction things typically about beer history but uh, I think um, being able to recommend books across a wide variety of, of, uh, of uh, genres is, is really exciting. I, th- I think people do tend to come to me more for what are the weirdest things you like and then I can uh, kinda go from there.
0: Okay and finally one last question which I like to ask everyone is what book are you reading now?
1: Well, I always have quite a few on the go. I have two main ones that I've been kind of reading back to back. One was just published earlier this month. It's All You Can Ever Know by Nicole Chung. It's a memoir about her uh, growing up and her, her life as an adult, as a transracial adoptee. And my, my family was very similar in a lot of ways. So it's really great to, to read that and to read something very, very contemporary. But I have also just started reading help the witch by tom cox which has also just come out again that's sort of more in that folk horror genre where it's it's really kind of a collection of ghost stories because i've always got to have one of those happening so i have these very disparate things um that i'm reading more or less at the same time but th- the one i've basically just finished and the one i've just started but they're uh they're kind of nice bookends to each other very different but both uh both very contemporary with a lot of different echoes in them and so that's that's what i'm got going right now
0: excellent so you normally have two books on the go
1: I would say more than two, but I have sort of two consistently on the go, at least.
0: Right, just in case you finish one and you can't do that Exactly, be I need one, to right? have
1: another one to, uh, to yeah, just in, when you know, there's a change in mood. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, sounds like a lot of people I know. <laughs> okay, <laughs> thank you. So uh, that's all we have time for this week. Uh, a huge thank you to Lisa Grimm for joining us. Uh, you can learn a little bit more about Lisa Grimm uh, and also her other passions for beer and travel if you go to lisagrim.com. That's Lisa with an S and Grimm with two M's uh, If you have an interesting book collection and want to talk about it, then I'd love to hear from you. Uh, we'd love to feature more book collectors on this show and you can email me at podcast.com at abebooks.com podcast at abebooks.com uh thanks for listening thanks once again to lisa and uh, my name is richard davis from abe books and we will see you next time thank you very much
1: thank you